to this edition of the Thoracic Surgery Resident Association's podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for teaching purposes only and should not be applied directly to patient care. So welcome everyone. My name is David Blitzer. I am a PGY-5 in the cardiac surgery I-6 program at Columbia University, and I'm joined here by a fellow resident. Jason Hahn is a PGY-6 in the program uh, at University of Pennsylvania in their I-6 program. And speaking to him today in his role as the co-founder of the Modern Surgeon, a surgical media company. Thanks for joining today, Jason. Yeah, thanks for having me, David. Absolutely. So let's uh, get right into it. Uh, if you can, uh, for those who might not know, what is the modern surgeon? Yeah, and uh, this is a relatively recent project of ours, but um, I view the modern surgeon as a media presence in the world of surgery. And the reason I define it so broadly is because if we think about the field of surgery, I think to people inside the field and outside the field, uh, oftentimes, I think the aura of it is very mysterious. Um, sometimes it's stiff. Sometimes it feels like it's a little bit isolated. The language is obviously very complex. And um, maybe if you haven't really been in contact with the field, you might find it a little bit inaccessible. So very broadly speaking, I think the Modern Surgeon is a project is a project that aims to make it all feel a little bit closer and more accessible and understandable. Um, a lot of the content is educational, um, and a lot of it focuses on very clear communication using very modern methods like social media and multimedia. So some of it, some of the ideas that we work on stem from stories that I've heard throughout my training. Some of it stem from people that I've had conversations with about what they think about the field of surgery. But very broadly speaking, it's a media presence that seems to make many very cool and exhilarating and rewarding aspects of surgery, more openly understandable to the general public. Excellent. And uh, what was some of the series of events or the motivation behind you starting the uh, project? Yeah, I would say that, <laughs> you know, like most things that we do, I think it ended up being very serendipitous. You know, I've, I've been interested in communication uh, regarding surgical topics for a very long time. Um, I started writing for the newspaper in Philadelphia at the Inquirer when I was a medical student prior to joining my I6 program. And it's now been almost eight years that I've been writing a column for them. So for a very long time, I've been thinking about how we can talk about the field of surgery very plainly and openly to the public. Um, and oftentimes, the people who were reading the columns were not only patients, but also their family members. And sometimes even my colleagues would read it and say, I found that sentiment to be very relatable. So clearly there's a lot that has to be communicated within the culture of surgery um, that sometimes isn't expressed. And you know, about six months ago in the spring of 2022, I met a medical student from Jefferson named Josh Chen, who reached out to me and said, hey, like, I'm interested in how social media can help um, open up the field of surgery. And I think our interest very closely coincided. You know, he, uh, he was just in his first year of school, so he wasn't necessarily sure what specialty he was going into. And I thought that surgical, you know, subjects might be a very interesting and potentially uh, influential place for him to start, for us to start. 
So uh, we converted the den at my house. At the time, I was living with a co-resident of mine named John Kelly. He's a PGY5 in the program who also has a lot of interest in video making and surgery. So we converted a den at our place into a studio and then just started filming every video that we wanted to. Um, a lot of the projects in, in the beginning were educationally focused because that's what we knew the most. But since then, we've been really branching out to look at more holistic aspects of surgery, you know, such as like how we uh, think about health in a, you know, and wellness, not just for you know, surgical technical proficiency, but also the, the wellness of trainees and ergonomics and diet and sleep and culture and all that goes into the phenomenon of being a surgical trainee in addition to being a surgical um, patient. So like that's sort of how it's been evolving. It's very free flowing in terms of idea generation. We'll sort of get together one day and say, hey, like it functions very much like a startup. Hey, are there any ideas that that you want to work on this weekend? And then we'll get together and have a studio day, a session, and then just get them all out. <laughs> That's great. And you think the the resident medical student, sort of that viewpoint uh, is a strength This gives you some unique perspective. How do you think that uh, plays into what you guys are doing? Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting question because sometimes I think that residency is one of the most opportune times to innovate. Um, and I say this because a field like surgical training, um, in the beginning, I think as an outsider or somebody just, somebody just experiencing the field for the first time may not know enough about the field to make a significant comment about it, uh, or like, or make something that's an insightful suggestion. Um, at the same time, if you've been in the field for many, many years, then I think perhaps you lose what it feels like to look at it from the outside as, a, as, a, as somebody looking in from the outside and, and seeing you know, what could be different because it's become your status quo. So you know, oftentimes I think as trainees, you think that you know, it's not the right type of position to embark on a project that aims to innovate the field because you feel so new. But in some ways, I think it lends us a unique strength to have um, some refreshing perspectives. Um, so often, obviously, time and, and other resources are limited during training. So you have to balance all those aspects. But sometimes I find that even projects like these um, a lot of it is educational in nature and therefore conducive to your training experiences. Obviously, a lot of TMS content early on has been about how we practice surgical techniques at home in a way that is very accessible, affordable, and equitable. And thinking about that subject matter very seriously and then setting up a space at home for it has, has been hugely beneficial for, for someone like John and me. I mean, uh, <laughs> just the fact that like we can have a space at home where we can review cannulation, you know, stitch angles or, you know, go over what it's like to sew a coronary, you know, in the comfort of your own home without worrying about the intensity of the OR or, you know, that, that huge, you know, the intimidating solemnness with which we approach, you know, patient care, I think has been so beneficial for us.
Oh, that's great. And uh, you mentioned sort of how things have evolved. What do you think is coming next for uh, you guys at the Modern Surgeon? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think more and more uh, we want to keep defining the educational space um, even broadly, <clears throat> even more broadly than we're doing right now. So a lot of it so far has focused on techniques and practicing. I think at this point, we've generated a sufficient amount of content on basic surgical techniques and so, so on. Um, more and more, I think what we want to do is make even more aspects of surgical uh, infrastructure and culture accessible to the broader public. So for instance, you know, right now we have another series uh, running that's called TMS Inventory. And you know, it takes instruments and different you know, resources that we utilize in the OR and then puts them into a light that kind of feels like you're looking at you know, inventory or weapons or, or items that you use in a video game. You, know, you cast them in a, in a whole different light. You really highlight their characteristics. You know, it's, instead of looking at it as an instrument that you use every single day, and in some ways has become very routine and maybe even mundane, you like step away for a second and really appreciate the fact that like there's cool engineering behind these types of tools. And then try to get the public more excited about just how sophisticated all of this is. You know, like when you're closing skin, you're you're not really thinking that much about what kind of needle driver you're using and why it's conducive to what you're doing. But when when you really step away and try to cast it in this light, I think it becomes just that much cooler. Um, we'd like to keep doing projects like that, not only when it comes to hardware, but also the people that work in the OR, the different roles, the different stages of training, the different stages of our careers. Uh, essentially, I think there are so many topics that are up for grabs for this type of project because at the end of the day, like TMS is just a lens that you apply to all aspects of surgery that tries to interpret it or showcase it in a different light. So uh, we want to keep on expanding on that. At the same time, I think more and more we want to involve uh, different members of the public. And we've already begun to do this a couple of times, but some of our series that are coming up are going to look at commonalities between the field of surgery and other experts and craftsmen, you know, other people in other areas of expertise and craftsmanship. So for instance, um, you know, barbers or hairdressers, they, they use scissors all the time, um, perhaps even more than we do. You know, seamstresses, they use needles and so perhaps more than we do. Um, in these ways, pe people are using tools that are similar to ours in their own ways and developing a very, very, very deep expertise in it. And I think these cross-cultural conversations have not really taken place, um, mainly because there hasn't really been opportunities to look at it this way. But we're really excited to be looking at projects where we kind of try to bridge those gaps between different areas and see what kind of stuff we can learn from them and perhaps vice versa. Yeah, sounds uh, really interesting. Um, so I have to say, I'm, I've really found what you guys have been doing interesting uh, from just like the way you leverage social media and sort of, uh, I think there's a lot of uh, potential in those like modalities that is, it's underutilized. So what would you say, how would you describe sort of getting things going and anyone else who has a, a similar idea or wants to do something uh, also within those spaces? Like how do, how do you, is there a, 
what, what approach would you recommend for people? Yeah. Um, and I mean, I have to agree with you in the beginning, like this was a pretty foreign space to me as well. And embarking on something like this is sort of intimidating because obviously there's pros and cons to social media, all of which I do not even fully understand at this point. Um, but we approached it in a way that was very, um, empirical almost, you know, we, we kept a really open mind, almost like a startup. And then we began to produce content that we thought would be interesting, but didn't know how people would react necessarily. And I think, you know, as we started posting more material and learned what kind of materials people find found helpful, we, we adapted like very quickly. And I think perhaps that's the biggest advantage of being able to share material that are potentially educational or informative across social media platforms. It doesn't have to be a fully fleshed out manuscript that can sometimes take six months to get from, you know, writing the manuscript to getting, getting it, you know, out there as a publication. It, it is something that you can more rapidly test and is not limited by any other resources or barriers. You know, for us, obviously it took some effort upfront creating a space, coming up, you know, ideating a, what that kind of space would look like, what the product would look like, what kind of ideas we wanted to put out there, what kind of challenges we wanted to, you know, post, what kind of drills, what kind of aesthetic. But once that became more established, I think you fall into a very comfortable rhythm that you are able to maintain, um, you know, even while you're working a residence or a medical student's schedule. You know, for instance, we try to maintain one post a day. And oftentimes when we have a studio session, in a span of a couple hours, you can get enough material to last a couple of weeks. And, you know, that kind of yield, I can't really think of having that kind of yield in any other project that I work on right now. Um, also, it's just a lot of fun. You know, you don't, you don't have to take yourself super seriously. You... Uh, you know, it's not really about, <laughs> it's not really about like hitting numbers or getting accepted somewhere. It's just about sharing ideas that other people might find interesting and, you know, fun to engage with. So the brainstorming process is like very open and very creative. Like it's a text thread where somebody can just say, Hey, like, why don't we interview this group of people and see what they say about this? You know, that's, that's a whole, that's a lot of fun to be part of. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I didn't realize you guys were doing something daily. That's uh, that's uh, impressive. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I'll say one more thing. Uh, like social media, uh, I think, is becoming a more robust space for, you know, people who are exchanging ideas. And, you know, even compared to two to three years ago, it's become a much larger community. Like people are looking to Twitter or Instagram for technical advice. You know, they're sharing case studies often. Um, obviously, you're already familiar with the fact that there's a lot of publications that are shared on social media. You know, a lot of, a lot of people who are looking for mentorship or research opportunities or advice about how to approach rotations or personal statements or anything are finding answers on social media. Right? It's made communications that were very difficult 
to have in the past, um, it's made it much, much more easier and more accessible. So in that sense, I think it's a great strength to our community. And the more we can harness it, the better. It's almost sort of like, you know, when, when I think Elon Musk was asked about um, sharing patents, I think, related to his electric vehicles. And he said that more adopters, you know, even if they're people who are creating similar products as he is, the better. Because I think the whole area has a lot of strength to offer in general. Um, so I think really the first step in overcoming and giving a part of something like this is is trying something and making sure that you're willing to adapt to what you think and what the community thinks it's ultimately helpful uh that's great and that kind of gets just sort of towards my last question which is what are some other um gaps you see in the landscape that you know uh interested resident or trainee might be able to fill and and where do you see this going in the next few years yeah that's really interesting because <laughs> There's so many ideas that, that I think we can come up with if, if we apply the lens uh, from different sectors in the world to the field of surgery. So, for instance, you know, when we look at what other media companies are doing in the areas of food or, or art or fashion or sports and whatnot, you know, you realize that they're creating a lot of content that have already made that field, you know, very open, very accessible and equitable and keeps on advancing the culture of that field further. So for instance, I, I always bring up this example, but if I were to Google, you know, best places to eat a Philly cheesesteak, you know, I'm in Philadelphia. And if you Google that, <laughs> if you Google that question, you'll probably find, you know, at least, at least a hundred different articles that talk about this subject. And are they all objectively true no but there's still valuable advice that people would you know be able to act upon and then get what they want you know at the same time if you were to google uh let's say most helpful shoes to wear in the or or you know different types of scrubs for different types of needs or you know what kind of let's say like how do you deal with the fact that drinking caffeine is important for you to stay awake and function, but at the same time, like can heighten your tremor and anxiety in the OR. Like these types of very practical topics have not been really openly written about or communicated. I think mainly because mainly because we have not tapped into those spaces yet. And as trainees that are kind of navigating between both worlds, uh, having grown up in a computer generation where using social media, um, watching videos or creating videos is is becoming more and more second nature. Like these are the areas that I think we can innovate upon so that we infuse this type of information into the field of surgery. You know? So maybe we don't have to necessarily uh, we don't have to necessarily just look at the way that information has been traditionally shared in the field of surgery as the only ways of uh, obtaining information. Maybe we can write articles that, that try to share very practical advice. A lot of the articles that are being shared on the, the modern surgeon on the publication side of things tries to address you know, these types of topics. They're not long articles, 
but they talk about practical advice for how to do well on your rotations, how to write a an impactful personal statement, you know, what kind of examples of, you know, rhetoric are helpful for trainees, hurtful for trainees. Like these are very different from the traditional academic content that's been published in the past, right? But but they have a place. So I think more and more, you know, as, as trainees begin to speak up about these issues and get their ideas out there, they're going to find that there's a large audience that that find this type of information to, to resonate with them significantly. Um, so there's so many different things that where we can leverage this type of mindset into the way that we train and, and at least and, and participate in the world of surgery. You know, another thing that I can think of is, you know, uh, like just just a few weeks ago, I was reading an article in the New Yorker about how in the the weaving community, <clears throat> there's a website that catalogs all the different ways of like coming up with a certain kind of pattern or design, right? And there's <laughs> like great quality photos and great quality videos and whatnot. But if I were to Google, hey, like how, what are the five different most common ways that surgeons close an aerototomy after an AVR, I'm not really sure that we have an, uh, a resource like that. Even though this is a field that is well-funded and highly technical and highly sophisticated, we have not really quite found a space or a way to share this type of practical advice and information freely and openly um, using using social media and the internet. So those are the types of projects that I'm that I'm really excited to kind of at least you know at least share or or become a part of going into the next decade of my career. Um, I think that there's a lot of potential there. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I, I have yet to see a good technical video of a Magoon aerotonomy closure. So uh, I look forward to having you guys put that out. Uh, yeah, I really put something like that together. I mean, I think, uh, you know, it wouldn't be interesting if, you know, even from a training perspective, let's say that, you know, you have come up with an optimized way of performing a sternotomy every time so that it's midline and it's safe and it's efficient. And then I have come up with a different way of doing it over the last five years. Even something like that, if there were easy ways of sharing that, then all of our juniors, before they perform a sternotomy for the first time, can look at you know five different options of how senior trainees have honed it over the years, and say, oh, like I like you know this element of that and that element of that, and and therefore ultimately be able to come up with something of their own. You know, and I think that's what surgical training is. It's just that uh, I think all of that information being freely available in multimedia format would make that just that much more efficient. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. That's why I wanted to uh, have this conversation. So for people who are interested in what you guys are doing, who uh, maybe have their own ideas and want to or want to look at you, what you're doing for inspiration, where can people access uh, The Modern Surgeon? Yeah, I uh, we're... We're probably the most prominent on Twitter right now, but we also have an Instagram account, a YouTube account, and a TikTok account. And um, if you just want to read more about what kind of content we've been producing, we also have a website at themodernsurgeon.org. Um, there you'll see the different sections that we've kind of come up with organically over time. There's skills-related ones. There's lifestyle-related ones. 
culture, progress. There's a section that we're really excited to start called reviews. And I kind of spoke about it a little bit, but you know, if you wanted to review different types of products like like best OR shoes, best non-OR shoes, <laughs> um, the best type of protein powder that you can eat so you don't lose weight during surgical <laughs> rotations, like any kind of find, any subject that you find interesting, you know, I think it'd be great to have more trainees review their experiences so that we can all share ideas. Because I'm sure we all do it in similar ways. We just haven't really made that a topic of communication or discussion. So um, you can find us here. You can always reach out to me. Um, I'm also on Twitter. You can find my email at jshan0113 at gmail.com. So I'm always happy Great. to talk. Thanks so much, Jason. Yeah, thanks, David. Uh, hopefully yeah, I'll see you soon. All right.